When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hey everyone, Josh here from Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Have you been to our website, fearscapepodcast.com? There, you can check out our store with all of our awesome t-shirts, check out guests that have been on the show, listen to the podcast directly on the website, even donate and help us bring you awesome content. Please consider supporting us. FearscapePodcast.com could be better than it is today. More open, private, and secure. That's why the engineers, system administrators, and designers at NordVPN have spent the last eight years developing a security and privacy tool to bring this vision closer to reality. Today, millions of NordVPN users around the world click the blue Quick Connect button whenever they need online protection. That's a very private club. To join this club, go to fearscapepodcast.com slash VPN and protect your internet activity today. Hello. I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under... The Spooky Crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts. Cryptids. Aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastically hollow episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. And I don't mean hollow as in shallow or anything like that. I mean, because we're going to be talking a little bit about Hollow Earth and Richard Shaver and his mystery and all the craziness. But anyways, my name is Stefan Gearhart. I am your host as always. And I am joined as always by my Darrow co-host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How darrow you say that to me? See what I did there? I will tarot you a new butthole. <laughs> what I will do? Uh, yeah, you'll see. We'll be talking about darrows and tarots during the show. You'll see. You'll know what we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, like I said, we got a fantastic episode. We have been diving deep into Hollow Earth and uh, the Shaver mystery uh, from Ray Palmer's uh, Amazing Stories magazine and all that stuff, and we are finally ready to talk about it a little bit. So we're going to be jamming talking about that. But aside from that, Josh, how are you, and what is one thing that the listeners could do for you? 
Well, you know what would be fan freaking tastic would be if you all would review the podcast. Well, I mean, well, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, right? If I'm being 100% straight shooter, keep it 100, bro. I would really like it if you bought some t-shirts. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but-, <laughs> but my second favorite thing would be reviewing the podcast. Yeah, if you guys oh. can get on and just get out there, review, rate and review and share the podcast, that would be super great. Apple, you can rate and review. And uh, what, what's that one you were talking Spotify, about? Podchaser. Podchaser. Yeah, you can. There's, a, there's lots of places you can do it. Um, but yeah, all of that helps. Even if you just write a review and uh, just put it on our page, that's kind of cool too. You can review the uh, page the fearscape podcast page on facebook it's true yep. it's true yep. uh but yeah so other than that how are you doing i'm doing pretty good actually i'm i'm doing great tonight loving life you know it's it's the weekend i'm uh, gonna have a campfire tomorrow night and uh, look at the stars and see if i can see some ufos yeah so, me yeah. too man it's uh gonna be going up to uh so i went to the grand canyon yesterday for the th- uh, third time of my life kind of fourth if you count the first time i ever went which is like way off in the reservation area and it's a much smaller um, did it change no but it's oh. still just as amazing <laughs> it's just <laughs> as amazing every time um had fun with that and then i'm going up to prescott uh prescott or prescott i don't know they call it different things arizona for my sister's birthday and that's going to be in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it's pretty close to one of those certified dark areas. So yeah. I'm excited. I mean, just driving home from the Grand Canyon last night, we stopped. And for the first time, I was really able to see the Milky Way. And uh, I've, I've slightly seen it before. But, I mean, this looked like a ribbon in the so- sky. Don't <laughs> listen to me, people. This is just Josh and I sh- joshing with each other. <laughs> <laughs> how, come, how come your pun is funny, but mine's not? You're not a comedian. Ask Keith H. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you have to be a comedian to be funny. I see. Yep. Apparently. Uh, but anyways, let's get moving. I want to get moving into this because I want to get talking about the shaver mystery. And this is not the uh, shaving mystery. Um, that usually just means you haven't shaved. Um, but no, we're going to go ahead and move straight into our psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word. Of the week. All right, as usual, the psychic word of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary by Junji Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey buns. Uh, so I flipped through the pages and stopped on the letter L, and the uh, freight, well, it's actually one word is that I landed on was Lord of Evil. It is a full phrase. Um, so I was wrong. Is it hyphenated? No, I was, my, my eyeballs once again went to the wrong spot, but Lord of Evil was the, I'll read both of them because I had Lord of Evil and Lordhood were both kind of back to back. Okay. Um, Lord of Evil is a short one. Lordhood's a little bit longer. So Lord of Evil comes from early Christianity. It says a low quality etheric world male entity capable of having sexual intercourse with a human female during the night. It occurs by dreaming, or excuse me, it occurs by coming in a dream <laughs> um, or by changing dimensions and assuming a human body for that time. Synonym is an incubus or a satyr. I was about to say very yeah, much. Yeah, it sounds like, incubus. yeah. Though it doesn't sound like it is trying to suck its energy. It looks like it's just literally having sex with the ladies. 
Well, see, so so here's the talking about early. This came around in early Christianity, right? So mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if this is almost an invention to to allow uh, women to be free with themselves in early Christianity, but to have an excuse if somebody catches them in the act. Oh yeah, you know now, what I'm saying? No, it was not me. It was a lord of evil. I was just laying there sleeping. And all of a sudden, his beady red eyes came onto me. I was under his control. And then he took me. He came in the night. <laughs> <laughs> or in the day, whichever. Or the K-N-I-G-H-T. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, so it's only a male. Uh, so I don't see, you know. There, but yeah, it all, and it also makes me wonder if this, this was taken from satyrs or incubus or something like that something stolen from another religion as a way to say hey this is ours yeah. now i don't know uh, but yeah very very interesting it's definitely a way to kind of say oh this happened uh so the next one and is the next one was lord lord hood. hood yeah and so it's the exact opposite because it's it's like in parentheses says angel so these are both from the etheric world. It says a rank in the etheric world that is the last step before godhood, taken after the sixth initiation has been passed. Soul minds who have elevated to this rank are an ethereal substance not understood by mankind. So they're talking about Santosh. <laughs> he is just not understood. Uh, lordhood angels are overshadowed by the godhood angels, but supervise the masters. Their function is to radiate power, love, and pure thought into space, giving attention to guiding the world to help the overall cosmos elevate evolutionary plan cannot enter the earth dimension but can send a master to intercede when called upon constantly send our energy oh excuse me constantly send out energy of inspiration and encouragement to encompass the world those who have reached this step in the etheric world and have incarnated to help from this plane are lord jesus lord siddhartha buddha lord maitreya and logos osiris so so it's so almost not, like demigod almost, but so not Lord Sidious. No, no Lord Sidious. No Lord Vader. No Master no. Vader. No, 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 no. Uh, isn't wasn't Sean Connery a Lord? Yes, yes. Lord Lord Connery. I think. Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Lord Connery. I, I thought if you got the Sir, the official Sir. You were you were a lord. I don't know. No, because lord is more like land ownership, and I think and like noble stuff like that. Oh. Sir is more knight. So well, maybe I'm a lord because uh, my mother in law bought me um, one square foot of Irish soil <laughs> mm, <laughs> for, for Christmas is. last year. So. Do you own the uh, land that your house is on? I do. Then you well, are, sir. You are a lord of your lot. You are the Lord of Lot, number if, twenty-seven. If I, have, if I have a camel on my lot, <laughs> then I'm the Lord of Camel Lot. Oh my God, that's brilliant! Yes, <laughs> done. Just make a round table and it's on. I have a round table. <laughs> perfect. A, yeah, perfect. It's just gonna set it up in the backyard. Yep, you are all set. Uh, boy, we've wasted some time on that. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and <laughs> let's go ahead and move right into spooky news. All right. So spooky. 
<laughs> wow, what a day. Um, so spooky news. This one you actually sent to me, um, but I've seen it since then a number of times now. This is really interesting. Uh, comes from CNN.com. Their travel section says archaeologists in Norway find rare Viking ship burial using only radar. So that's kind of neat. And not no, it is from- not Noah's Ark. It's not the guy from MASH either. Oh, man, it's not. Uh, All right. Norwegian archaeologists have identified a previously undiscovered high status Viking burial site featuring a feast hall, a cult house and the remnants of a ship burial. Researchers were able to discover the findings without having to dig any land instead using only ground print penetrating is not a word ground penetrating radar or GPR to see below the surface. Now, that's the same thing they used in the Skinwalker Ranch thingamahoochee that is on history channel yep that's also Uh, what they've used uh on the moon the chinese right oh yeah yeah uh key amongst the findings from the norwegian institute for cultural heritage research uh is a viking ship burial site located on the gel mound in gelsestad southeastern norway boats symbolized safe passage into the afterlife and were usually accorded to the elite of Viking society. The GPR data showed that the Iron Age vessel measures around 62 feet long, with the ship buried between 0.9 to 4.6 feet beneath the ground surface. Uh, Lars Gustavsen, a researcher at the Norwegian Institute for Cultural Heritage Research, said, when we're doing these kinds of surveys, it's normally just gray and black and white blobs. But this data set is so visually striking. We knew that there was something special going on there, but we had no idea that there was going to be a ship burial. This is something that is very unique. Uh, After initial tests were conducted, efforts to fully excavate the ship are now underway. And they said the mound was previously dug up in the 19th century when a lot of wooden remains of the ships were burned because people were unaware that they had meaning and they just needed them for fire to keep warm. Uh, He says it's a unique opportunity. It's just a shame that there's so little of it left. We have what we can do. Uh, No, excuse me. What we have to do is use modern technology and use it very carefully. Um, And yeah, it just goes on to continue to talk about that some more. But yeah, basically said this happens. This person was buried. This whole thing was buried during the late Nordic Iron Age. So this is around 550 to 1050 AD. So very, very, very cool stuff. I just I just wonder how much other thing like, you know, have we done a GPR at Stonehenge? Right. Have we done? Well, I mean, I just I just watched um, on Netflix, the secrets of uh, Saqqara tomb. And um, you know, it's, you always think that we found everything, right? It's like, how could we not find everything? We now have GPR and we now have satellites. And then like, here's these dudes digging up and they're finding like more stuff. Like, uh, you know, and they find this whole tomb with this, like everything. And then a very, you know, I'm not going to give away the end, but like, they're just, there's still so much more out there. And then here's another one. Here's this huge historical burial. And like, this thing is massive. Like I'm looking at the map of all the things that are buried there. Like this had to be a very important site. You know what I mean? It's like, it just tells me, and this doesn't even include the oceans, right? It's like, right. what do we have? Like, can we do GPR in Egypt? Like what's, <laughs> like, well, I mean, it, well, I mean, that's it, like the Sphinx. That's a really good thing. Like I was yes. watching this article or something, there's a documentary and they were talking about how the Sphinx have actually found 
that it actually goes way down into the sand. Yeah. Uh, but but Egypt, you know, the the government there won't let them go. They won't let them dig. So yeah, I think we might have talked about that when we recorded our ancient civilizations um, unhinged yeah, episode. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, so you'll hear a little bit more about that, but yeah, we, that's a, the Sphinx is very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those things where they talk about how, um, the erosion on the Sphinx is more like water erosion than yeah. air erosion. They think that it actually might be like, it might predate Egypt. Yeah. So. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the and that's the thing they they just don't know they just they, I don't know it's crazy it's crazy I mean even in yeah. like the secrets of the Sakar uh, tomb like they talk about they may have found in these bones a case of malaria that would predate what is considered the first case of malaria by one thousand years. Wow, that's huge! Like if they if the if that comes out to be malaria. Like that will predate the first case yeah. in history by a thousand years. Like, it's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. So again, who knows what all we don't know. Yep. But very cool Viking ship burial. Check it out. CNN.com. Let's get into our UAP sighting of the week. All right, what unidentified aerial phenomenon sighting do we have this week, Joshua? So this comes to us from uh, this. Uh, this is on New Fork again. I don't know why. I just I really like their site. Everything's really well put together. Um, Newfork.org. <clears throat> Anyways, this comes from Alexander, North Carolina. Uh, this happened on October sixth. At about two thirty in the afternoon, um, but it wasn't reported until uh, November fifth. So somebody sat mm. on it for a little bit. And again, this is probably one of those situations where, like, you know, there was some doubt, and they probably did some research. Well, like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I did or see even something. And then they finally share the story after a week, and a guy's like, "Hey, man, you know, there's this place. It's called Old Fork. Uh, you, no, I mean New Fork. It's a new yeah. one. It's fancy and shiny, but you can get on there and share your story, and somebody might give you a free Happy Meal." Yep, oh. or a pat on the back. So, I was standing on my deck while watching an older model mono wing aircraft do a practice barrel roll. It was about one thousand feet up when something else caught my vision, and I looked slightly downward to see a translucent cylinder headed in a west-to-east pattern flight, and as it entered rays of the sun it became visible and then would disappear and then become visible again as it hit another ray this happened three times before it finally just disappeared into the blue sky it had no wings there were no contrails also there was no sound and the cylinder i saw was much closer than the aircraft doing the barrel rolls I was facing south when I saw this at about 90 degrees. Nice. So really good description on that and at yeah. daytime. Yeah, definitely. And something else in the sky. It's like, now I want to get a hold of that pilot. Yeah. Be like, dude, what, did you did see you anything? See yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, but I mean, trying to copy off of you. 
Well, but I mean, also, like, you know, if you're a pilot up there practicing barrel rolls and stuff, you're probably not looking around a lot, you know? You're probably focused on what you're sure. doing. Sure, but I yeah. Mean, but, I mean, it would be interesting to know if anybody else in the area, because cause I admit, I'll do the same thing. And The other night, I was uh, in the kitchen, and I heard air, airplanes coming, and I stepped outside to look, and there were, you know, two airplanes, like single-wing airplanes mm-hmm. flying um, kind of in like a formation and they came out by the house and they turned and went around and I watched them for a while. Oh yeah. You know, I watch so, every time. I mean, just yeah. today, cause we're, I told you we're by the air force base. I just saw a huge, like tan, like camo colored, like helicopter flying over. And I was just like, must watch the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't not, you yeah, know what I mean? I You're just like, <laughs> and if yeah, you, you know, don't, we got to talk like we right. can't friends whoever that is no i mean i I, yeah i don't think i'd say the only aircraft that i don't typically watch is uh commercial airliners yeah you're just like like, yay now granted though when i lived in old louisville and i was right underneath that flight path of ups it was so low every time one flew over we'd be all talking on the back porch and just stop and look up right back down because they're so low (laughs) well also because when they're that low, it's so loud. Just all you can have a conversation. Oh yeah, there's no conversation. But I was always like, man, they should put advertisements on the bottom of these things because I look up every time. <laughs> <laughs> Eat at Joe's. I gotta go to Joe's. Joe's. Yeah, really. So. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the sighting. That's a good sighting. If anybody that's listening happened to know the individual who has that sighting, or if you have a sighting similarly, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's quickly move into uh, creepy catch up so we can get into the Shaver mystery. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so creepy catch-up. I don't have a whole lot. Um, One, I'm not sure if I've shared on here yet. The other one uh, just happened the other day. Um, But, of course, I've I've had a ton of UFO sightings already out here. Um, uh, But I know I talked about being up on Humboldt Mountain and feeling like something was following my sister and I. Well, I don't recall whether or not I shared on here the UFO that I saw that night that I took pictures of. Now, I know I've shared it with you in Santosh, but just in case I didn't share it on here, I want to share it again that I saw it was long, um, about the length of my fingernail. That's about how far it went, my pinky nail, um, about how far away it seemed to me. And I tried to take some pictures, but it was it was it was weird the way that it moved. It, even though it was kind of moving in a straight line, it was kind of shaky. And then when I took a picture and zoomed in on it, I mean, it was like light that was like bent in different places and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was it was really interesting. Um, but my sister and my wife saw it. Um, of course, they were like, "It's an airplane," and I'm like, "No, look at this app right here that says where the airplanes are. There's no airplane." Well, they're mistaken, and I'm like, "It's long." Okay just gonna let it go and uh so yeah i mean <laughs> a lot you know airplanes aren't long and illuminated no not like this there was no flashing lights there was nothing and uh as it got over kind of phoenix i expected it to kind of if it was an airplane i kind of expected it to dim um but it did not the, like the light from the city did not like dim it in any way so what well, it you know it's interesting because um just real quick on that you know andrea talked about and and other people have as well that um if it is a craft that they choose who to the to reveal themselves to to. to. right so it's interesting that 
that you saw it and your skeptical sister and wife saw it. Yeah. You know, it. Well, and it's you know, interesting, too. Uh, what was I reading? Man, I'm reading like 50 books right now. But in one of them, they were talking about it was a UFO related book, and they were talking about how uh, this author was talking about how he's changed his idea of sightings and things like that that he was always looking for the perfect proof he said but there was a night he was with six people three of them including himself were saying look at that ufo in the sky do you not see it three of them were saying yes i see it they were describing it the same way the other three people were saying there is absolutely nothing in the sky and this guy was like it is more of the mind than we realize Mm -hmm and people are not permitted to see it or sometimes if they see it they may see an airplane they may see a helicopter whereas a separate group of people are going to see what it actually is or what they want them to see it as you know like there's just so much unknown like that's the that's that's the issue there but yeah he complete oh you know what i think it was it might have even been the uh the Mothman, the Chicago Mothman, the Lake Michigan oh, Mothman yeah. book, because I've I've been reading that. It might have been in that. Like I said, I'm I'm literally reading like seven books right now. Um, <laughs> I get them all mixed up. Um, but yeah, and I and I was like, yes, I completely agree with that. And that's it is. And I've been a part of that where it's like we can see it, but the other person there is like, I don't see anything. <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, it's- that's like, you know, several nights ago, I think I talked about this on here, but several nights ago, my family and I were out uh, in the backyard with a campfire and stuff. And, and I saw like a, you know, a UFO way up in the sky and I mm-hmm. pointed, well, actually my daughter was the first one to point it out and say, that thing's moving. And so I looked <laughs> up and I, and I saw it and then my other daughter saw it and my wife was like, I don't see anything, but you know, it's like e- either she was looking too hard or maybe it just wasn't presenting itself to her so. right i've also come to find out that people that haven't seen this stuff before have this idea of what it should look like mm-hmm. and if it doesn't fit that then right. they're not seeing it because they're like in their eye they're like no i'm seeing a satellite slowly moving yeah right or you know they're looking for a giant hamburger shaped object right in the sky and a giant like, you know giant hubcap with with lights all right it, and know, so, so they're like no i don't see that because some people are very detailed some people are very broad in terms of the way they talk speak and think yeah my wife and i are the exact opposite so it's fun well and if you already have a preconceived notion because of media or other people right. talking about it or whatever what a ufo is or uap is and you're looking for that exclusively, then you're probably going to miss the things that are not that. Exactly. Um, But the other thing that I had happen to me, and this kind of freaked me out, I was editing the podcast the other day, and I'm just sitting here, and all of a sudden, like, I feel something grab hold of my chair and then yank me backwards into the kitchen. Like, I rolled halfway into the kitchen, screaming with my high-pitched scream like I do when I get scared. No one's here. My dog's on the couch. And there's no way the cats could have done that. I mean, even the dog couldn't have done that. But like, the cats weren't even in here anyways. But yeah, it's like, I got ripped back. And that's the first like legit thing that's happened in this house. Um, It was quite frightening. Um, I kind of sat there for a minute and just didn't know what to do. You know, it's like, I, I didn't feel like attacked or anything like that. 
But I mean, like, I got startled. Something, yeah, something was trying to get your attention, though. For sure, for sure. So that was. Did you did you sage and stuff, or did you just let it go? No, I just let it go. Like I said, I didn't feel danger from it. So yeah. if it wants to be here and hang, it's welcome to. Um, I didn't feel anything bad. So. You should uh, you should set your mic up one night when y'all go to bed. And just let it record into Audacity with the live mic open. That's a good idea. And see what you catch. Yeah, that's scary and awesome all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, it's your grandpa Bob. <laughs> I just wanted to say that underneath your room I had a treasure chest. <laughs> and I'll be like, no, we don't. That house has been torn down. <laughs> Too late. Yeah, really. But no, um, I, but, I, I yeah. thought about, but I thought about doing that here about just... You know, set my mic up in the basement and just record yeah. all night in Audacity and see what I catch. Yep. So. Turn that volume all the way up. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all the creepy catch-up I've had this week. Um, I, I want to say it's a, been a, uh, you know, uh, slow week because, really, the the UFO thing happened on Halloween. So, yeah. So, this this the only thing that's happened to me is this chair. <laughs> so, um, I've had uh, three things happen uh, since we last talked. So like the night of, so you had, you told us about your chair thing mm-hmm. the night before that, you know, so the night of the, the morning that that happened or the day that that happened, I had this crazy dream with my grandfather in it. Like my grandfather who has been passed for uh, 13 years. Um, <clears throat> but also this is the month that is, um, this is the same month he passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the, the the veil is thin, and you know I always feel like he's always here, and you know he he showed up on a Ouija board session. So anyway, so right. so he's definitely a strong presence in the area. Um, I had a dream though that uh, that like I went to to go into my house, and I, so you know what my house looks like. So you, I walked into the laundry room, and I flipped the light on, and the light flickered. And then my garage, the door that goes, you know, from the house into the garage, that Uh big heavy steel door, it was like semi-transparent. And on the other side of it, my grandfather was standing there and like his, his, you know, like he wore those blue dickies, you know. Dude, that's how horror movies start, man. That's the shit. (laughs) That's what happens. All of a sudden the light flickers and then they see an image. (laughs) Get out. So he's standing there, and like, like his full on, like his blue dicky pants, yeah. blue dicky shirt. You know, he's got his, he's got his cold, you know, the coat he always wore in the winter time, mm-hmm. and he's just standing there, leaning up against my neighbor's fence, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and and I kind of, I was like, it's like, Granddaddy, is that you? And he's like, Oh, okay. And he like he puts the cigarette out and he walks in the house, and he's like, I mean, I have seen him in my dreams before, but never like this. I mean, it was, it felt so incredibly real um so i showed him like i showed him around the house and and uh went back and like he was like walking back he walked back into my bedroom and he laid down on my side of the bed and he was like i'm just gonna stay here and i was like well that's that's where i sleep you know you're gonna sleep somewhere else and he was like no i like it here i'll just stay here so then i was just like standing there talking to him and he was just laying on the bed and and i said you know i this has got to be a dream. I, I feel like I'm dreaming. And, and he was like, no, it's not a dream. I'm really here. And I said, well, I don't know if, if you're really here that pinch me. And so he like reached over and he pinched uh, the skin between like your thumb and your finger and all that, which kinda... is what I'm holding on to right now. Just letting you know, randomly. Okay. 
<laughs> I was just sitting here squeezing that area because it's kind of a tension point. Yeah. So I was like, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so he pinched that area. I didn't wake up, but I definitely felt that in my dream. Mm. Um, but anyways, when my alarm went off that morning, I didn't want to wake up. I wanted to stay, stay in there. that dream. Um, I mean, it was, it was that, and it like, it shook me when I finally realized and I had to wake up and it shook me. Anyways, I got up and I got out of bed and started getting ready for the morning. And right in that area that morning, I had a little red mark, like something had Ooh. pinched me there. So now, you know, granted, I might've done it in my sleep, you know, just my body reacting to the dream. It's possible. Still cool. Still cool. <laughs> like, even if you're psychosomatic brain. Right. Became that. your grandfather's hand, <laughs> grandpa's hand. Still cool, still cool. So, or um, your grandpa took over your body and pinched you, right? Um, so, so that's the first thing. The the second thing was, um, I can't remember what the second thing was, but cool. the thing that must have oh, been I know what it was. Damn. I had a I had a dream, uh, or I I was going to bed last night, and as I was going to bed. I was like, uh, kind of like thought to myself, Granddad, if you're here again tonight, you know, I'd rather not have a dream like I had the night before. I, you know, I, I miss you, but I, I just can't, I just can't handle dreams like that. I, I felt something set on the edge of the bed behind me, and then I felt something like touch my leg through the blankets. Mm. Um, be careful, man. That could have been a Lord of Evil. It could have been. <laughs> <clears throat> So there's and then so then when I finally went to sleep, um, I felt like I uh, uh, I don't know I, like I was startled awake, and um, in the corner of my bedroom, like in up up next to the ceiling, there was a black mass just hovering there, mm. uh, just kind of hovering there, and like I blinked and like looked away and looked back and it was still there, like the that the whole room and area around it was distorted, like it was like clearly something was hovering there interesting um and uh and i but i like i didn't i didn't feel afraid i didn't feel fear i just i just kind of looked at it and then closed my eyes and went back to sleep so yeah so that's my three creek creek catch-ups I, I, again I, i'll say that you know i feel like i'm like an echo here but <clears throat> as i continue <laughs> to expand my mind more and more of this stuff just is seeking me out so right yeah that's how it rolls man that's how it rolls um but yeah man, you're i'll tell you what since you've been on this journey your dreams have gotten more and more vivid so i'm very excited about that so yeah i mean i'm definitely trying to get to the point of having some uh waking dreams so sure be good sure all right well let's get out of here and get to a quick ad break so that we can come back and try to Scooby-Doo solve the mystery of Shaver. Hey everybody, Stefan here. Wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the great folks over at Box Mountain. Box Mountain is a subscription box service that has my favorite subscription box yet, the Cryptid Crate. Josh got one of these for his birthday this year, and let me tell you, I was super jealous. It was packed full of merchandise pertaining to cryptids. The box he got was all about the Flatwoods monster, and it had this t-shirt, a book, a patch, a mug, and some awesome stickers. And let me tell you, it was well worth the value. 
These make an excellent Christmas gift that keeps on giving all year. If you use coupon code FEARSCAPE, you get 25% off the first month for any new subscription or 10% off on an individual purchase. So head over now to fearscapepodcast.com slash cryptidcrate to get yours. Hello there. My name is Sam. And I'm the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And we're the hosts of The Antagonists, an all-villain podcast. You can join us every other Thursday for a new episode as we discuss all of your favorite villains from books, movies, and more. Are the villains you love to hate really as wicked as they seem? Tune in and find out. You can find us on all major podcast platforms or join us over on fearscapemedia.com. All right. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. And uh, of course, yes, do what the ads say. They are hypnotic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you guys for sticking around. We are going to dig into the Shaver mystery, uh, this hollow earth theory. All of this also ties very much into Hellier and the things that they are exploring, the things that we've been exploring, and essentially the topic that has been hitting the top of our list to the point that we even read another Hollow Earth book, both, yeah. um, that I hope you'll mention because it's really great and free on Kindle. So, Yeah. What was that second Hollow Earth book? I don't know. You're the one with the photographic memory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember what it was. It was like that uh, journey. Yeah, man, I'm not gonna remember. It had two titles. That was the, that was the one thing I remember. I'll but look anyways, it up. Yeah, yeah, we'll look it up and talk about it here in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, so Richard Sharpshaver <laughs> is his full name. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's, yeah, um, it, it's funny because as part of the intro to uh, one of his books. I remember Lemuria, um, he talks about how his parents had a sense of humor to give him the name Richard Sharp Shaver. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about how he got teased so much about being a sharp shaver. Now, now, you know, this was back in the 40s. You know, he was like, oh, you're you're just a really sharp shaver, you know. And, and of course, my, uh, my mind and, and everything... I immediately, when he, when he started talking about getting teased, like, oh, they probably called him like Dick Shaver because, you know, Dick is short for Richard. But no, that's not even it at all. It was Sharp Shaver. You're just a Sharp Shaver. Yep. Just- oh, Sweeney Todd looking ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, Richard Sharp Shaver, man, he, he, um, so I, I, I guess this, you know, to kind of get into where this all started um, and, you know, go from there is, he basically so you've got a series of magazine is a magazine that was called Amazing Stories. So we've we've talked about Amazing Stories on the show before, mm-hmm. and we talked about how certain astronauts read it, um, about how uh, 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 you had talked about how I think on the Connor episode about when you were researching stuff, you found an editor a note to the a letter to the editor from uh Philip K. K. Dick. Dick, yeah Dick to you know to those guys so so you know a lot of people read amazing stories and it was it was basically uh um uh, uh, just that right it was a it was a series it was a magazine series that had just all of these amazing and extravagant stories in it with some really great classic sci-fi 
um, uh, drawings and illustrations. I mean, yeah, and this magazine started in the twenties, all the way like uh, into the forties, like before Shaver showed up. I mean, that's it already had right. twenty, thirty years of amazing old school sci-fi that was very much inspired by the likes of HG Wells and and yeah. folks like that. I mean just just the illustrations in some of these I would love to have is like oh uh, yeah posters on the wall. I mean they're just some Yeah, of these. these are hard to find, man. Like I every time I go to a, like a big used bookstore, like yeah. I look for these old amazing stories they're they're just and i can't it's hard to even find like a collection the best that i've been able to find is via um the internet archive uh on there which is archive.org like i've been able to find a number of the magazines digitally yeah. that people have digitally right. put in and i've read you know i actually found it took me a while but i found shaver's original story yeah. um and stuff like that but it, man it's cool reading these old stories especially the old advertisements are great i know yeah they're great because they're um, different they're not like the comic book ones but they kind of are but they knew the comic book ones were really geared towards kids whereas amazing stories and magazines like that were geared more towards like college age kids and right. older especially and older, after yeah. world war ii these guys were looking for something to kind of handle their ptsd really to escape into because you didn't really have tv until the 50s and this still wasn't like mass popular and right I mean, you had radio programs a little bit yeah and there wasn't a ton of sci-fi movies out there in the yeah. 30s and 40s so it was rare but uh, but anyway so You've got this this magazine uh, called Amazing Stories, and so back in uh, back in the ripe old uh, year of 1943, um, Mr. Uh, Sharp Shaver himself decided to write a series of letters uh, to the publisher of Amazing Stories, the uh, at that time, which was Ray Palmer. Not to be and confused with the Adam, which is a DC Comics character named Ray Palmer, <laughs> which is what um, I can think of every time. Which um, you know, if he you was if you small, think, though. <laughs> yeah, he you was know, like five it, foot man, like from what I've read. What's that? The uh, Ray Palmer. He was Palmer. indeed like a really short guy, and so he kind of had short guy syndrome. That's why he was really um, uh, very aggressive in trying to uh, get things out there and uh, to be noticed and stuff like that, because that was part of who he was, his personality. Now, if you if you recall back, I think we talked about it a little bit when we did the interview with Alan Greenfield. Uh, but Ray Palmer was uh, also a bit of a, uh, of a, of a prankster. Yes. And, uh, and uh, I mean, he was selling magazines. <laughs> right. And so um, there's all, there, there's a little bit of contention and even conspiracy around, you know, <clears throat> what, what did uh, Shaver write versus what got published yeah, um, and we have we've been trying to do some research to find because it, it, it's public knowledge that the stories uh, that Shaver sent in were something like sixty percent written by Ray Palmer. Yeah, so the numbers that I've got here are uh, Shaver's original letter was ten thousand words, uh, and it was titled "A Warning to Future Man." Uh, Palmer added. 20,000 more words. Right. So, yeah. So, two thirds. 
and retitled it to I Remember Lumeria. Yeah, and he did that for all of the sto- the future stories that Shaver sent in as well, like yep. these things. And, and eventually he got to the point where he was helping Shaver craft these stories as well. And it did eventually become pure fiction. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, Ray Pon- because and, and Ray was told by his publisher that no one will ever buy into this or anything like that. Right. That the only way this will even work is if you rewrite it to kind of fit some of the tropes right. of the time, which Lemuria, Atlantis, that was Mew, that was all huge at that point. Right. Um, and uh, well, I mean, I, I think in, re- in researching Lemuria and all that kind of stuff, I even came across a recent publication. Uh, from a doctor, I can't remember her name, uh, that talks all about the lost continent that is referred to in the stories as Mew, Mew uh, but she refers to it as Pan. Yes, uh, there's a there's a lot of things. It's it's interesting because you know, I I feel like at this point I don't know how much we're going to dig into Lemuria because that's technically probably a great episode on its own, but yeah. you know Lemuria has really at this point been debunked. Like it was legit created uh, by this guy based off of what he thought about the topography of everything at the time. Well, since all of that uh, became untrue. Um, because we learned about how the earth is made and stuff like that. That's why it's called Lemuria because he believed it was like a portion of Africa where lemurs were at and stuff like that. Legit, that's why it's called Lemuria. Um, But they've they've come to find that that island, that big piece of land, never did exist in the first place and it was all just a hypothesis in the first place. Just Lemuria. Right. Well, and that that land continent or the land mass that this other person was talking about, like I said, I can't remember the name of her book or herself but uh, like i said it's fairly recent like 2015 2016 mm-hmm. um but uh she I, I, the pan is short for like pangonia or something Pangea. like that it's not pangea it's, oh, it's um, not pangea yeah there's another term there, a lot of like new agey people still very much um uh, and i'm on the fence about any of that atlantis moo um lemuria uh a lot of the other ones these these fabled continents that disappear right. and stuff uh, but yeah there's a lot of people that still are into that even the uh the akashic libraries <laughs> just all of that stuff like yeah well and it, so so to, so to loop back around into shaver so so shaver writes this letter in 1943 again you know a 10,000 word letter titled or you know a, a warning to future man um and then, of course, Palmer uh, adds, you know, two thirds more more to it to, I guess, make it readable. But the I, I think the gist of what uh, Shaver was trying to say is probably still held true. It's just yeah. it was, of course, embellished a little bit for the reader of the magazine. What, what's really interesting around um, how Shaver got the story, how right. he how he wrote the the letter right well because the first thing i think the very first thing that he even had before even the letter which came from the same source was his his language and alphabet right. he discovered uh what is a mantong yep. um which is a very interesting language it's sort of proto-human and too much of it is based in english that's why people discount it very very much um but yeah it's like got hidden meanings and stuff like that but yeah i think that was the original thing yeah, so that, that came out. And, and what's really interesting is that Montong language, um, 
So every letter isn't a letter per se, it's a meaning. So like A is not A, it means animal. Right. Um, You know, so on and so forth. So it's, it's really interesting that whole, which gets back to the, you know, the pre- who is it that I think the Phoenicians is who we own our modern alphabet to. Right. And it really gets back to the kind of that pre Phoenician uh, way of speaking where we didn't have uh, letters that, or, or, or glyphs that meant specific uh, letters, but really that meant, you know, whole words or phrases. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Um, and, and you know, you can find that Montong M A N T O N G. Just Google it. It's really yeah. kind of cool. So, um, but it's you know, but that whole thing that that whole uh, Montong uh, uh, alpha or uh, language, excuse me. <clears throat> they they apparently and at the time I don't know I haven't been able to find anything about it, but they apparently at the time bumped it up against every known language at the time, mm-hmm. and it's and it's universal. Like it can be applied to every known world language at the time. Right. Yeah. Cause so that's what happened. Like I've got my own little research right here, but he talks about like, he, he sent in this alphabet, which we'll talk about where he gets it from here in a second. Um, because Palmer wrote back to him from this alphabet and he asked him how he learned of it. And that's when Shaver responded with the document, a warning to future man. Uh, but yeah, tell us where did he get <laughs> all of his information from? <laughs> so, um, so apparently he was, so he's working in a factory um, in the, in a welding machine after spending uh, uh, many a year in a home for the criminally insane by the right way. right um, in, in a uh, a welding machine in a factory delivered him the story in the alphabet telepathically yeah it was almost like he could when the, when the welding machine was working he could hear and see certain things so there's almost a little bit of pyromancy happening um in terms of the seeing things but then he's yeah. able to hear this like um signal so to speak well uh, it, that was picked up through the machine well and, it, and i'm gonna you know i've been thinking a lot about it over the last couple of days and and i you know there's a lot to be said um and in fact i think the you know i know the government and the cia kind of um experimented with this back in the you know in the 60s and the 70s but the whole idea that you can uh uh you can get people to either be hypnotized or recall information with the flashes of light, like flashes of oh, light yeah. and sound. And so when you think about a welding machine, a welding machine is not like a person using a welder. It's not a single, you know, you know, person. Yeah, he was so like on an assembly line type. You know, it's like, you know, sparks. And it could be that flicker of light that somehow put him into a trance that allowed him to receive this information. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I give him a lot of hell, but just because it's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who, it's possible. I mean, you got a guy that was, like I said, for many, many years, he was into uh, a home for the criminally insane. I mean, he had psychiatric problems. He was kind of misdiagnosed. He should not have been in. But those homes were so different back yeah. then. I mean, they just they kinda, were. They, they were shoved, a catch-all. Yeah, they shoved anybody that had any issue into these things. But he was there for quite a while. I mean, like 10 years or something like that. Um, and then it was like in the 40s is when he was just like, you know, that's when he's like, I need to tell everybody what happened in the 30s. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so very, it's interesting, man. Which, like, I mean, you know, if you think about it, I mean, if you, if you were, if you, 
had those experiences and, and, and all of a sudden this rush of information that you knew 100% to be true, but yet anybody you told about it uh, thought that you were crazy. I mean, it'd be hard to, to I mean, then people don't have the platform that we, you and I do right now. I mean, we don't, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many people in today's age that are willing, are willing to, to come forth and say these things. And there are so many people who believe them. Yeah. But in the thirties, that just wasn't true. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because um, Bruce Lanier, who's a guy that uh, wrote a lot about Shaver, um, he talks about in his notes, um, he says that, uh, in, he said Shaver claimed to have worked in a factory. And then in 1932 is when odd things started to occur. He said Shaver began to notice that one of the welding guns on his job site by some freak of its coils field attunements was allowing him to hear the thoughts of the men working around him. And then more frighteningly, he then started receiving the telepathic record of a torture session conducted by malign entities in the caverns deep within the earth. And then it goes on from there. And that freaked him out so much that he ended up quitting his job and became a damn hobo for a while. Like a, like has a rucksack with some yeah. sandwiches in it and hopping on a train. Like that's what this man did. <laughs> well, it, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how he came to find himself in the uh, mental institution, but I could imagine it might even be by, by choice. Sure. Uh, I mean, at, at that point in time. So, um, but yeah, so to go on to what, is kind of included in that 10,000 word letter and subsequent letters is um, his, his, I don't know, recollection is not the right word. His um, telling, I guess. Telling, or I would even say the information that was passed to him about um, the people that live uh, underneath, uh, underneath the surface of the earth. Yeah, so and ca- essentially how it how they got there because this is uh, essentially an origin story, right? Um, I remember Lemuria's, uh, but I mean it, it's talking about how they live and the, you know there there's a, a broad civilization at various depths of uh, caverns underneath the Earth's surface. You know how they came to to live underneath the Earth's surface and why they're there and. <clears throat> how i mean it, the 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 story the book goes into like fantastic detail oh my god there's so much um because there's distinct species i mean you've got yeah. the titans that live there that are almost like these gods right um and this is all inside the hollow earth which explains how all that works right. um you know and they have these these like space age cars that move around you know which feels very palmer um but <laughs> uh but like yeah the titans and then you've got kind of your regular guys and then you've got your darrows which are the like and you kind of see how the darrows become the darrows we know of today right well th- th- don't forget the um you got the uh, I can't think I'm totally blanking on it. There's a group that that their entire focus is on the preservation and longevity of the species. Yes, uh, tech, the Technicons. I think Tec- is what yeah, called. Technicons. Wow, what a great name. Um, um, and then you also have like different species of humans too, because you have like satyrs. Like so, you've got them that are like fawns. Yep. You know, almost like pan style types, because uh, the main character ends up like hooking up with one of the the chicks with with uh deer feet 
<laughs> so, <laughs> well, and I'm trying to remember what the, what what those are called. They're like uh, terra, not terraforms. What are they yeah, I can't um, remember either. Um, da, 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 da. I got it right here. The Technicons create uh, veriforms. Is what they're called. Veriforms. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> and so, like you know, there's a part where the main character, uh, which is uh, I, I should know, Mitten, Mitten Meon or something like that. Yeah. Um, but he's he's walking around and he sees a chick that's got like from the, from the waist up is just the normal human from the waist down is a snake yep um, and he basically talks about how um, you know these the technicons have created animate intelligent hybrids of every race that space crossing had ever brought into con- into contact from planets whose very names are now lost in time and to get another um, callback from last week's episode uh, I think it was last week. <laughs> the snake lady, she ends up in the golden child. <laughs> <laughs> Want the knife. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's just insane. There's all these like different yeah. sorts of people living together. And what's really cool, my favorite part about the, the Titans, I believe it's the Titans, is that they are immortal. But how you can discover their age is how big they are yeah that they age not in age like we think but in height so the larger the titan the older they are it's really really interesting stuff man and like and it and it really breaks it out like um so it's almost like a, a hierarchy of 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 realms if you will so you've got atlan which is the surface of the earth right then you have Sub-Atlan, which is just below the surface of the Earth, which is still mainly consisting of Atlans, mm-hmm. um, which is more the human type. Uh, then you can, from there you go down uh, into different caverns and cities, and there's like Teen City and, yeah. and everything. And then, and then as you get closer to the core of the Earth, that's where the Titans live. That's where the elders of the government live. Um, and then they even have space. Like, they were right. able to, according, like, again, we don't know how much of this is Palmer's, how much of this is right. It's not. But, I mean, a whole couple chapters is dedicated to them being in space. So, you know, they were able, which ties in, again, a lot of people think the Lanulosians were a part of this group that left, you know? Right. So, I mean, it. it it's really, it, it, again, just you don't know how much of it is is admonishment versus original. But still, if if uh, if a third of what is in I remember Lumeria is true, <laughs> um, or 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 an original account, man, it is so fantastic to think about. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and tying it back to some other stuff that we've talked about lately, uh, the idea of ultra terrestrials from the Keel perspective, right? Um, so the that- idea that. Yeah, that gets us into the Darrows and the Tarot's. I mean, this is where it all starts to come together into modern day theories with Keel. Um, Darrow's are a huge part. I mean, we've talked before about that mil- that guy that con- was contracted through the military out west that went underground and yep. fought these Greys and or Darrow's. Um, you know, right. and you know, you know, and, you know. When I was reading this, uh, when I'm reading the the book that I remember, Luraria. And they're talking about the veriforms being all these different combinations of species. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think back to the creepy catch-up for the 100th episode when I told you guys about my dream or my not yeah. the dream. It was more like the, the, the vision of seeing like the 
the gray mixed with the Yeti yeah, mixed with the blonde. And when you're there with injured cold, right? Like yep. you, the underground base. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, ironic because you, know, like you the, hadn't read this book yet. And it's just right. Right. And the, the cactus man and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, again, it all kind of syncs itself together somehow. Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Um, but, uh, but you know, the, one of the, one of the really cool things, um, that I think is, is, is really, is just, is amazing with this whole thing is, um, that they talk about, um, they talk about how they came to be the origin story of the race or races, I guess. Yeah. And so they basically talk about how the sun used to be much younger uh, and that it used to burn carbon. Um, but now it is the source of all radioactivity that hits the earth. So <clears throat> it was once fully covered in trees. Then a giant meteor came and hit the earth. Um, and when it did, it released all this carbon into the atmosphere, which helped spawn these people's uh, to, to grow and to, and to be able to grow really big and to be able to so on and so forth. And then one day the sun ran out of burning carbon and started burning heavier elements like metals and stuff like that. And when it started doing that, it started releasing high, uh, radioactivity. And so they talk about how so many of them live underground to avoid the rays of the sun mm-hmm. um, so that they don't age. Yeah, that way. Which is ironic. I mean, uh, one of the great, I don't know which version of the book that you got, but mine has a ton of footnotes and uh, it talks a lot about the, the idea of aging and how legit, like it fits into modern days. Um, Also talking about their weapons, the rays, like they weren't being hit with like ray beams. They were just these weapons. He uses the term ray very, very differently. Yeah. I mean, but so the whole idea though, that, um, that the sun produces radiation and that's what causes you to age is exactly true. I mean, that's, that's what causes your cell, your cells to break down is the radiation from the sun. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and the likelihood that, that, shaver would have known the science around that in 1932 and oh, again yeah. in 1943 when he wrote the letter it's just that that's what i that's what that's what, for me when i'm reading it through this and i encounter something that i'm like this is so fantastical but yet also aligns with with what the current truth is i immediately go back to when did we know this truth? And if we didn't know it in 1943 or 1932, then that means that Shaver came up with it on his own or was told about it. So, um, you know, it's the whole idea about where we were scientifically. And, you know, in 1943, did we know that these sun's rays were so incredibly harmful and that's what causes us to age? I don't know. They still thought smoking was good. So, that's true. <laughs> Smoking on airplanes is good. Yeah. So. But, um, or while you're pumping gas. Um, so, anyways, um, but Shaver did not write just I Remember Lumeria. Right. Um, you know, the, through the back and forth between him and Palmer, you know, he wrote um, several different stories um, 
uh, trying to think which one was after I remember Lumeria. Um, I think it was it the Mine Rovers, I think was next. Um, and then the Shaver Mystery, and I, I can't remember something else. But um, there's a lot. They were saying like between like 1943 and like 1952 or something like that, 75% of all issues had a Shaver story in it. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, but it, it is a, it is a fantastic series. And, uh, one of the things that in listening to the most recent, uh, well, my most recent listen of a kill novel, which is, um, uh, flying saucer at the center of the mine. There's a, there's a book that he talks about in there, um, which I have upstairs, which I can't take the name of it right now. Crap. Um, but it talks about how um, the UFOs that we see are not from space. Right. They're from underground and under the oceans. And so, again, here's a book referenced in, you know, used and referenced in a kill book that has to talk about, you know, all the stuff underneath the, o- underneath the ocean and the ground. And that just plays so well into all this stuff with like Hellier and the Shaver mystery. So again, it's just, so much of what um, I am finding and reading continues to push me to it's stuff underground. Now, I'm not saying that, that all UFOs come from underground, but I also don't think that we're alone on this planet. Agreed. 100%. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, if you there are, you can go out and pick up all the other, you know, stories and stuff, but I the book that I have is a Kindle version. Same. Um, and it is called... I just had it open earlier today because I was reading through it again, um, which I apparently don't have it open right now. I remember Lumeria by Richard Shaver. Come on. And I don't... It's made by Star, Star Books or something like that, but um, I don't have when it was front and see when it was published but it again like you said it has a lot of footnotes in it uh which i find really interesting because different places in the uh so it's copyright 1948 this edition was printed in 2011 but it has a lot of footnotes and it's really it's really cool because there's points in there where it talks about how um when palmer and his publisher were reading through the different um you know the letter from Shaver, and they had questions about things. They were writing back and forth with Shaver, asking questions or to get a clarity. And yeah. all of that back and forth content is included in footnotes in the book. Yeah, which it's just fantastic. That's my favorite part is the footnotes, which just adds so much more um, information and depth to the overall story, and really kind of solidifies in my mind that. Shaver wasn't just making stuff up. I mean, if he was, he was the most talented fictional writer of our of our time. So right. I mean, and I I say that uh, to same thing like the John Teeter stuff. Like it, <laughs> it's just it's incredible. It's incredible work. <clears throat> so, um, you know, all in all, I think that as I continue to read more about I Remember Lumeria, as, as well as the additional uh, stories that he wrote. You know, what was really shocking me as I was reading the stuff, that I, the chapters that I've read so far, 
is that nothing caught me off guard. Like nothing that I've read so far did I read and say that couldn't happen or that wouldn't happen or whatever. It's just, it's so believable. And it kind of goes back to, you know, the, the interview with, uh, with Ken Johnson senior, you know, has media really just conditioned us to be willing to accept these, you know, fantastical things. I don't know. I don't know. So, um, I think that, uh, you know, if we were to really sit down uh, and read through all the stuff that Shaver wrote, and again, looking at that holistic picture across all the different things, all the different Bigfoot sightings and Sasquatch, and everything, there, there are so many similarities um, across the board to all these different things. And think about it, Sasquatch, that could be a, a, a totally a veriform. Yeah, a verifor. Yeah, it's funny because usually all you think about are the Darrows and the Taros. That's that's the biggest thing that sits in the mainstream is the Darrows and the Taros, which is basically the Jedi versus the Sith is essentially. Yeah, except the Darrows are way more than worse than the Sith. I mean, they right. like torture people and eat humans and all kinds of other stuff. So well, they're just they're just doing that. What, what I'm trying to remember what it stands for. Oh, detri- uh, detrimental robots. Um, but robots is not mechanical construct. Right. They were just robotic-like due to their savage behavior. But it's interesting yeah. in the book because you can see it's almost as if it's an uprising. That somehow these mechanical-brained type creatures that did not want to be a part of society. What's scary is, and I'll get there in a second, it's like they didn't want to be a part of society and they were sick of not being allowed to feed their need is essentially yeah. it and they you know the and the the tarot's the good the good folks essentially yeah. uh the the good brained ones were just neglected them and just let them didn't think that they would be any issue and they became it and it's striking how similar it is to what's going on in the world in the United States right now how partisan everybody is and how divided the country is and how each side looks at the other as if they are the darrows like it's so more so than I think ever in history are we starting to see and that you could rewrite this story and put it out there under a pen name or whatever and just say put a review that says allegory on modern political times and it'll sell like hotcakes yeah yeah um you know something else that's really interesting about that whole uh, darrow tarot thing is and this is this is kind of hinted at and talked about early on in the book is that um the tarots want to leave earth they want to yeah. leave moon because uh, they're tired of aging against the you know the harshness of the sun and so they want to go find or actually have found a planet that's uh, close to a new sun that is still burning carbon. And so they won't age. And so they want to leave. But but a, subset of, <laughs> but a subset of the population, the Darrows, don't want to leave. They like it where they are. They want to stay where they are. And so it's that whole idea and concept around, you know, like you said, Stefan, about you know, not really under, not taking the time to, uh, if you were to say there's an underlying political element, it's not taking the time to truly understand um, the part of your society that is crying out for help. Yeah. Um, and instead trying to force them into doing something. So, yeah. Interesting. It's all, it's all, 
it's either history continues to repeat itself or it's interesting how uh history reflects itself yeah yeah that's that's a good um almost like a ripple yeah and fiction has always been used to you know talk about the truth so yeah so we're getting dangerously close to the to the (laughs) not that it doesn't need to be talked about but uh there are other podcasts for political commentary Sure. Um, sure. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, so all, all will be said. Uh, the shaver the shaver mystery is uh, by far. Uh, if you are a reader, if not, I don't think it's on Audible. Uh, it's but, not. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure you could find somebody to read it for you. <laughs> yeah, or check um, some of those um, free audiobook sites. Yeah, you know, where people volunteer, maybe it's on there. Right. But I mean, it is it is a fantastic set of of, of uh, stories, and um, if you've watched Hellier, uh, even if you haven't, um, but or, or or read any Kiel books, I think you'll I think you'll see some similarities between what Kiel discussed, uh, what the Hellier folks are finding, and and what's in these uh, and what's in the Shaver uh, stories. Um, yeah, it's very in- it's interesting, and I mean, Shaver influenced a lot of folks, UFO researchers, yeah. um, all sorts of different stuff like that. I mean, I mean, you know, a huge it, movement happened due to I mean, Richard Shaver. You know, the there's you know the article that I, that I've got here says that the Shaver mystery was the UFO phenomenon before the actual UFO phenomenon. Yeah, because this hit before um, right. Kenneth Arnold's claim, as well as Roswell. Yep. I mean, this 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 <laughs> just exploded for a, a huge subset. I mean, Amazing Stories was losing listenership, and it, I think it said it like quadrupled in sales uh, for like the next ten years or something yeah. like that. And then even Shaver and. Uh, Palmer left like Palmer created uh, Hidden Worlds where it's just basically 90% of Shaver stories with little input from Ray this time around and then Shaver and his wife had the Shaver Mystery Magazine um, it's just all kinds of stuff man and little fun fact I don't know if you know this or not because I feel like we're getting ready to wrap up is that Richard Shaver is also a very prolific artist um, he's got a lot of art that's out there he does paintings and sculptures and he did all sorts of stuff that was a big focus for him and it's very interesting art um, it's not all like sci-fi or there are some pieces and stuff like that but there's like a whole museum dedicated to his stuff uh, It's that was his biggest focus was art especially like junk art so but uh, that's really interesting I didn't know that mm-hmm. um yeah, so so just to you know, Shaver died uh, in 1975 in Summit, Arkansas. So we can't have him on the show. No, um, and ironically, I don't know. Another fun fact I don't know if you know is that him and Ray Palmer ended up buying farms right next to each other because they became such best friends throughout their mm-hmm. lives. They ended up buying property right next to each other so that they lived next door to each other in their later years. You know what? I mean, not 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 in an attempt to to make money. Not in an attempt to uh, de- to defame the stories of amazing stories, but just to be able to read the original manuscript, I would I would give so much <laughs> to be able to see and read. Yeah. So if uh, you're listening out there and you yeah. have access to that original letter that has been untouched by Ray Palmer, 
let us know because we would kill to read just Shaver's not, version. Not literally. I mean, don't take that as an offer. Literally, I will kill <laughs> so many Darrows to get my hands on that manuscript. <laughs> I will kill a bag of Cheetos <laughs> to get my hands on that manuscript. Yeah. So very um, interesting. But it says here, I wanted to say this, like it says during the last decades of his life, Shaver devoted himself to rock books, um, stones that he believed had been created by these advanced ancient races and embedded with legible pictures and texts. He produced paintings. This is where we get into his art stuff. He produced paintings based on the rock images and photographed the rock books extensively, as well as writing about them. Uh, Shaver posthumously has gained a reputation as an artist and his paintings and photos have been exhibited in Los Angeles, New York, and elsewhere. So I've looked up, like I said, I think there's a website that shares, uh, it might be Shavertron, I'm not sure, .com, which is a great website, but I would check it out. But yeah, I mean, there really is a lot of detail about Shaver out there. I mean, most everybody kind of has the same information um mm -hmm. but they all kind of put their own little uh you know influence on it if you will yeah um but i mean, I mean like it, i said he wrote for years and years and years and years and became a phenomena had a huge like had a club you know like the shaver mystery club i mean he would be a celebrity in today's terms so if he had a youtube channel <laughs> for sure <laughs> Um, so anyway, so I think that's a good place to kind of wrap on Mr. Shaver. I think we might, um, you know, it would be interesting, I think, Stefan, to come back and visit it again and, and really dive into, I remember Lumeria and the other stories and actually kind of do more of a synopsis. Uh, on the other stories and kind of what of our learnings and what the, the different similarities. Are. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, this is something we have been nonstop digging into, um, like uh here's these so there's a shavertron.com is like the largest just compendium of shaver stuff um it's really interesting and they have their own like publishing books and stuff like that and so they've got two books of his art called rock fogo and it's r-o-k-f-o-g-o -O, volume one and volume two and then a t just a ton of other stuff um and uh i think richard shaver's son like does a bunch of stuff I mean, it's just insane the stuff that's out there man like you it, we, we're saying we could do 20 episodes on richard shaver and you know that just doesn't even scratch the surface of all the stories that he's written and everything else so yeah definitely get out there and check out i remember lemuria because then there's war over lemuria i mean it just goes on and on and on and on and on um but i remember lemuria is the og and uh, go play with the alphabet the montong as well oh yeah and in in if you're if you're a Hellier fan, uh, go play with the alphabet and compare it to the Terry Riss stuff. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because um, I mean, Terry Riss talks about fighting some Greys, or was he talking about Darrows, or is he a Darrow? Like that's yeah. stuff we're thinking about all the time. Yeah. Greenfield <laughs> <laughs> and Greenfield does not disagree. So <laughs> yeah, um, so you know, it, it, there's yeah a lot of a lot of similarity there between what's what's being discussed lately with hellier and just what we are discussing lately with with the, with the show and our own journey so yeah all right well let's get out of here then thank you josh for the information on the shaver mystery um so before we get out of here of course we want to get into our listener story um we've got another one from mel vote um like i said she sent us a couple stories here um just a reminder you can send those to us at fearscape 
fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to fearscapepodcast.com, submit a sighting, send it there, or just DM us, PM us, whatever on any of the social medias. Um, but this one again, like I said, this is another story from Mel who said she only had one. And even in the first one, she's like, I don't really think I have anything. <laughs> so, um, all right, here we go. This is Mel Vote's story uh, performed by moi. I just remembered another experience. Back in the day, this was probably 2003 or 2004, I had won tickets to a Halloween night tour at Waverly Hills Sanitarium in Louisville, Kentucky from a local radio station. It was either before or after the tour, I think probably after, we were standing outside right next to the station's cruise SUV and right next to the DJ. They had radio equipment set up out of the back of the SUV where they were broadcasting from. Suddenly, we simultaneously heard the radio equipment fall down and the, the DJ let out a noise. We thought he or someone had perhaps tripped over some wires to cause the equipment to fall down, but that's not what happened. The DJ said he was just standing there. And I believe he even said he felt like he was pushed or shoved. Seems like someone wasn't happy about us being there. But it wasn't anyone that was still living, that's for sure. Nothing else happened on the tour, but that one experience was enough. The DJ said he couldn't comment, I guess since he isn't a member, but here's what he said. He said, I think your story is pretty close, but it was George uh, who dropped stuff and said he was pushed. I was standing nearby and it was super early in the morning out at Waverly, probably five or 6 a.m. and we were setting up for a broadcast and George stuck to his story days later. We told him he was just clumsy. So I guess it was the other DJ George, and it must have been before we started the tour, but I remember now we were standing outside the entrance and the start of the tour walked through where the haunted house was even set up. Even in daylight, the place is just plain creepy. It still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, so, you know, Waverly always has creepy stuff. Like, that's just the legit... It's just Waverly, but what's really interesting, it's like if they were there at the start of the tour and they remembered hearing that stuff, yet the other DJs like, no, that happened at 6 a.m. Were they hearing an echo? Like, what an interesting, I mean, this goes back to us talking about uh, in the beginning of the show where it's like, do certain people hear or see certain things where others don't, you know, it's like, did that happen? But later on, they were meant to hear that uh, for some weird reason, right? So I don't know. Yeah, that's... uh... That's really interesting, and, and it really gets back to the whole uh, idea around what you – Waverly is so hyped, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes normal sounds can sound also like extraordinary sounds, you know? So I don't know. It's – I just am always – I don't know. For me, I am skeptic about what people report at Waverly just because you go there expecting so much to happen. Yeah. You know, you know, it almost makes you wonder, do you subconsciously manifest it yourself? Yeah, who knows? And here, here's someone that we know and trust, and it's like, this happened during the day to them, and they right. were just going to the, like, the fake haunted house, not the actual, like, tour of the building. Right. Like, Waverly does a haunted house every year where they, you know, classic 
haunted house. So, uh, very, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, yeah. that's a very interesting, some time bending happening, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. But again, just a reminder to everyone send in those listener stories. You can submit a story. Hell, we even have a phone number that you can call and leave a voicemail. Um, that, that information is on the website, fearscapepodcast.com. So get out there, send us your stories. We absolutely love them and we love sharing them and we believe you uh, but josh we gotta go we gotta get out of here um so just a quick reminder to everyone please check out fearscapemedia.com so you can check out all the great new podcasts that are available on the fearscape media network we've got some other ones coming up soon there's going to be a lot of new great stuff so make sure you check out all of that make sure you go to fearscapemedia.com slash store so you can get those t-shirts josh was talking about yep <laughs> so um, which you- um yeah, we, we're actually, I think we're going to be shifting stores a little bit. we got some amazing things coming. Mm-hmm. Blankets, uh, bags, socks. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm going to be buying some socks. Yeah, it's going to be just in time <laughs> for the holiday season. Yep, that's right. So be on the lookout for that, guys. But we are going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Fearscape. We love you guys so much. Our blanket huggers are the best. So this has been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. <laughs> Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs>